Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
when the, the way we usually do, and that is we're going to open the lines up for you guys to call in and to tell your local crews thank you. When I say local crews, I'm talking about the local Appleseed Project crews, the uh, instructors and all the people involved in running the Appleseed Project, whose mission is to bring you the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program in the nation today, the absolute best. There's no one that does it anywhere near what we do. <clears throat> There's really not hardly anyone that does it at all anymore. But uh, but there's no one that does it like we do. And uh, every weekend in the, in the nation, there is an Appleseed Rise Marksmanship event going on uh, within reasonable driving distance of you somewhere in the nation. And, uh, and these individuals are all part of the the Appleseed Project's nonprofit organization determined uh, to donate their time. Thank you very much. Did I need to sign anything? Okay. Uh, that is, uh, this is my shoot box. <laughs> I told you guys that uh, it's not like I'm in the top of a tower somewhere in an office doing a radio show. Uh, I'm actually doing it on the back steps tonight, and and the UPS man just now came with my shoot box, which is good. We've got a shoot in, uh, in about uh, nine days, so it's good to have a shoot box. <laughs> All right. The number is 347-308-8790. Three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. You can call in. Um, matter of fact, we'll open up the lines now. You can call in for uh, to either talk about uh, thanking your local crews, or you want to start talking about the uh, the election and what it means to you. And we'll be glad to uh, talk to you about that too. I've got the train of the family members passing me by right now, one by one. So I can give them each a, a kiss, welcoming kiss home. They're all uh, they're all just uh, piling in from the uh, many things that they're involved in. We've got uh, five daughters, and they're all involved in something. And uh, tonight it was uh, cheerleading and basketball and and I don't know what else. But they're just now filing in at the end of a long day, and they're looking in the oven to make sure that I put some pizzas in there. And, uh, all right. Uh, I'm looking at the the chat room, and uh, I can see some of the people. Ed, Ed says he doesn't think the election changes anything. And, uh, and he may be right uh, on that, but even if he's right, even if you're right, Ed, there's still things that we need to change. There are things that we need to do to ensure that we that we are, in fact, maintaining and, and building the absolute best nation that we can. So, so when you call in, that's one of the things that we would like you to uh, that we'd like you to talk about too. And that is, what can we be doing? We got uh, four years. 
that are going to be, uh, I don't know if they're going to be like the last four years or not, but we're gonna, there's going to be another four years with President uh, Barack Obama as our president. I can tell you one thing that, uh, that is happening, and that, uh, that is the ammunition and firearms panic, the same one that occurred four years ago. You guys might remember that. Uh, that was uh, one of the things that uh, has blocked me out of a lot of, uh, a lot of gun ranges, and that is the folks who, uh, who have some kind of a fear on some level that, that something that uh, President Obama is going to do is going to jeopardize their Second Amendment rights. And uh, four years ago, there was a big run on firearms and then on ammunition. I'm sure you all remember that. That was the, the, the first uh, powder alarm. And the shells went dry all across the country. You couldn't get ammunition for I don't care what it was. You couldn't get ammunition. And uh, I remember going into the Walmarts and seeing uh, all the Walmart shelves stripped there, and, and the, the the worker who was there saw me looking at the ammunition shelf, and he just shrugged his shoulders, held his hands, and you know, like, well, nothing I can do about it. And all across, I don't know what it's like in the rest of the country. But I know that in places like Houston and Dallas, uh, San Antonio, Austin, I know that those the ammunition in those shell the shelves there is starting to run dry. I know my my partner and I uh, helped to clear the shelves by uh, by grabbing uh, four or five thousand rounds of ammunition, and uh, uh, that was done because. Because of what happened last year. If you remember last year, the, like I said, when the ammunition was gone, it was gone. <clears throat> so I think that everyone is uh, is in that same mode now. But there's plenty of other things that uh, that we can that we can talk about here. One of the things that I would I would like to get you guys to do, <clears throat> you guys that are listening and running your computers, take a look at. Uh, at Barack Obama's, uh, at his executive orders, the executive orders that he's run since he's been in office. He's, uh, he's run out 140 executive orders. And uh, uh, I'd like you guys to take a look at the executive orders that uh, that have been run out and see what you think about those. This is what you should be doing anyway. Part of what you should be doing as a, as a citizen is paying attention to the things that are going on in the government. And that would be uh, that would be making sure that you're aware of the things the government is doing. One of those things that they're doing is you have executive orders that are issued by the White House uh, pertaining to uh, everything under the sun. Uh, someone sent me a list the other day, and uh, okay, here's one. Here's just one executive order. Executive order 13515 uh, signed in order to 
increased participation of Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in federal programs. They're trying to increase the number of Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in federal programs. Why? Why are we doing that? Why are you trying to increase the number of people on the federal payroll? Because the the more people that are receiving uh, a government check, then the more people are going to be uh, voting for the candidate who's going to continue to deliver the massive amount of checks that go out for everything. Uh, I'm reading just the other day how, I believe it was in New York, <clears throat> there was, uh, oh, I would imagine, uh, let's see, I think it was between 7 and $9 million uh, that was spent to advertise and to try and get uh, – New Yorkers on welfare and uh, uh, Medicaid and food stamps, etc. They spent seven million dollars to advertise in order to try and get people to sign up on government programs. Uh, I'm not sure that's the direction that we should be going in. However. Uh, you can tell me what you think. All right. The number is three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. All right. We'd like to thank the uh, we'd like to thank the folks for tuning in, but we'd also like to thank our local Appleseed crews. These are the folks who donate their weekends and. Uh, a lot of people, they donate everything. They donate their time, they get their gas, their ammunition, their rifles, everything. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to push forward the Appleseed Project message. <clears throat> they're trying to teach the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship course in the nation. And at the same time, talk to folks about how this country began, you know, where it began, how it began. Uh, most folks have some kind of a, a nebulous idea about how the the nation began. They 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 know that there's something that has to do with a shot heard around the world. There's something that has to do with Paul Revere, but they're not exactly sure. And uh, you run through bands of knowledge because early on the the kids in the elementary and uh, level are taught about this, and a lot of them have a fairly good grip on it at times. Uh, and then they kind of lose it as they're going uh, as they're going up through the school system, <clears throat> and uh, there are different bands of, of people who will have knowledge of it for different reasons. Perhaps uh, perhaps it's local to them. All the folks in the Boston area uh, are familiar with the beginning of the nation because it, that's where it happened. On uh, April 19th, 1775, that's when our nation began. And when you go to an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship Weekend, then you're going to hear the story of how it began. You're going to hear about who was there, uh, what they did, 
why they did it, and and then possibly you hear some of those stories about uh, the founders' ideas for the nation. And are we adhering to those ideas? That's one of the things that that you, as a person that's attending the course, will have to ask yourself afterwards. Are we adhering to the to the ideas to the to the to the words that the founders wrote to create the nation. All right, I know a lot of people talk about the Constitution being living and breathing, and we don't need a Constitution. Uh, we can, we can, we're mature enough now that we can, uh, we can govern the nation. We can run the nation without the Constitution. And I got to tell you, that's that's like one of the most dangerous things I've ever heard in my life. Uh, it, that would be like uh, being out in the middle of the ocean, I think, and and telling the person that's got their hand back there on the motor, you know, on the little skiff you're in, get your hand off it because we don't need that thing. We don't need it. We can, the, the nation will guide itself. And you let's go with the tiller, and the the boat just starts going in circles, or it goes uh, sideways into the waves. It, it flounders, it, it sinks. I think that's what would happen to us. You have to have you have to have some idea about why you're doing what you're doing. You have to have some idea about why this country uh, why it needs the Constitution. And I think one of the best things to do is and because you would not believe how many people have not done this is go get a copy of the Constitution and read it. It's not like it's a uh, like it's a massive tome that uh, that's very long and uh, uh, and confusing because it's not because it was never there was never it was never meant that for the government to have the powers that it has now. As a matter of fact, that a great deal of the Constitution is written with that specifically in mind, and that is limiting the powers of the government, limiting the powers of the government. Now, the government, of course, and then uh, a government is not a sentient thing, but uh, but it still remains that that once the government is created, it's going to do everything that it can, everything with its power, to grow itself, to get more power. That's the nature of the beast. It's going to grow itself. It's going to get more power. It's going to become more powerful. It's going to become uh, the biggest dog on the block because that is the nature of government. And, uh, and I don't think I've ever heard it described better than by Washington uh, when he said, when he spoke about government uh, being a uh, a fearful. Well, let me just let me make sure that I'm getting getting the right words on uh, okay. Because I can't type in. <clears throat> and Washington says that government is like fire. 
It's a dangerous servant and a fearful master. All right? Government is not reason. It's not eloquent. It is force. Like fire is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. And and I, I don't know that it could be described better than that. And uh, let me read that to you again. Government is not reason. It is not eloquent. It is force. Like fire, it is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. And that it is. You know, we have... Uh, we have uh, a great deal of discussion uh, about the government's role right now in making sure that that the people are taken care of with welfare and food stamps and Medicaid and on and on and on. The list is almost endless of how the government is reaching out to to take care of the people. And that's how it explains itself. It says, we are here to help you. We are here to take care of you. Uh, Throwing a big buffalo coat of benevolence over its shoulders. We're here to help you. We're here to take care of you. We're here to do the right thing. We're here to provide benevolence. The only problem is, is that the government's benevolence is done at the point of a gun. They're, the giving that the government does, uh, the stuff that they give has been collected at the point of a gun. Uh, the people giving the money to the government, because the government has no money. The government has no money, no ability to create money other than the other than having the treasury printed out. They have no ability to create money other than by taking money from you, from the citizens, right? So the money that the government is giving away in its benevolence is being taken away from the people at gunpoint. Because believe me, if you don't pay your taxes or you you say you paid them and they say you didn't, then they're going to come to your house and they're going to come to your house with guns. They do it every single day. They come to your house with guns, and they take the money. They take whatever it is uh, that they feel that you owe them. And that's the government's form of benevolence. Uh, Long before the government was paying out money, the American people were taking care of each other. They were making sure that they making sure that they were uh, making sure that their neighbors were taken care of, that people had clothes on their backs, that they had food. Uh, there recently was sent a, a uh, an essay by Lou Rockwell on Davy Crockett. I'm sure if you Google that, it will take you to it. It was a wonderful essay. <clears throat> A story about how Davy Crockett, as uh, as a representative uh, to his state, <clears throat> the the Congress wanted to vote 
to pay a sum of money to the widow of a of a navy officer, and and of course in their minds they said, well, we have we have more than enough money, we have plenty, you know, we've got uh, uh, you know a bonus this year. We we collected way more money than uh, we actually had to spend. Now that right there should be one of the first danger signs uh, in a system. They collected way more money than they needed. Now, why was that? The government should collect only only the amount of money it needs to run the project that it's running. And and every time it creates, that it collects more, it creates the idea that there is a never-ending fountain, that there's a surplus that can, that can be used for, for in numerous projects. And once the project has become a government-funded project, then very seldom ever leaves uh, that status. <clears throat> and Danny Crockett voted against it, and everybody was just astounded. They were saying, you know, how how can you do this? You know, she's the the widow of of, of this renowned naval officer, and he said, yeah, I, I know, I understand that, and I'm all for it. Because, but let me ask you this: there are a lot of a lot of veterans who left widows, thousands and thousands of them. And uh, this particular veteran, he said he he served his time and then and then retired out of the military and then went on into private practice. He said, as far as I know, the government, he received all of his benefits, all his pensions, everything. He said, as far as I know, the government left no outstanding debt with him. There was no reason... To, to pay the twenty thousand uh, dollars that they wanted to pay to the widow, he said, "Let me tell. Let me ask you this. He goes, how about this? If we all feel so strongly about it, then I will donate a week of my pay, and if everybody else here does the same thing, then that will cover the, the twenty thousand dollars that we want to give, and we can do it that way rather than taking it from the American people." Now it ended up that not a single person decided to do that. They were all angry with uh, Kroc, and they wanted to talk him out of it. And uh, and I, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but uh, I would like you to read it. I would like you to Google uh, Lou Rockwell and Debbie Crockett, and uh, and then read. It's uh, it's nice, it's a very short essay, but read about uh, about the reasons that the government can go terribly wrong in its spending. And, and ours has. Ours has gone terribly wrong, like uh, like a drunken teenager with a credit card. You know, the ones that the, the kids that get the credit cards right to uh, right at the absolute wrong time. Like, they get flooded with them once they get to college with the credit cards and uh, not everyone does it wrong but a great number of them do because they they don't understand what they're doing they don't understand the inherent dangers and the devil that's inside debt and and it completely destroys the idea the, the good idea of not spending what you don't have 
because that's what you know, that's what all almost all human beings do. But we in America have gotten very very good at this about spending what we don't have. If you look at the the financial uh, the information from credit card companies and stuff, you'll find that that a vast majority of Americans have uh, up to, uh, between ten to twenty thousand dollars of credit card debt. Millions of Americans with ten to twenty thousand dollars of credit card debt, and and that is that is the devil incarnate there. And don't get me wrong, because I'm not I'm not trying to to talk about capitalism as an evil. Because it's not. However, it, it certainly has some uh, horrible pitfalls in it. And I think that credit card debt is one of these. All right? But then you can take that straight over to the government, and you have the government that is uh, that is deciding to take money, money that it doesn't, the government has, like I said, remember, the government has no money. The only money the government has to spend is the money it takes from you at gunpoint. Now, I know most people uh, most people will fill out their uh, income tax and they, they send it in with no problem. Nobody's, uh, nobody's physically standing there uh, leveling a firearm at them. <clears throat> But they are figuratively doing it. <clears throat> They're figuratively doing it. They know that if they do not send that in, that somebody's going to come. Somebody that a huge machine is going to come and steamroll over them, and and at the, at the at the end of the day, it's going to be at the point of a gun. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pay taxes, because we should. There's a lot of things that that our government does for us uh, that is uh, that is part of the things that it should be doing while it is looking out for the welfare of the people, you know, building roads and stuff like that. <clears throat> But it has morphed into uh, it has morphed into this this completely different thing now, where where the government has instilled in the people the idea that the government paying for education that, that education is a right that uh, that medical, free medical care is a right. Uh, it has it has made each of the areas that it has gone into and embedded itself in. Each of those things are now enshrined as a sacred right uh, of the American people, provided by the government. Folks don't go after the sacred rights, <clears throat> and once again, I'm not uh, I'm not advocating 
uh, I'm not advocating uh, anything uh, that would get me or anybody else in trouble, although I'm sure that uh, just protesting it is enough to get you in trouble. But I am advocating for everybody to take a look at this stuff. Take a look at the things. It's easy to do. You can Google your your uh, anything in the government. You can Google it, and you can get access to the laws that are passed, the bills that are up for uh, consideration, and take a look at the things that's going on in the government because that's one of the ways that the government right now is getting it's getting so many things past us. Is because it's become such a huge uh, uh, behemoth, and then we are bombarded daily with uh, 500 channels on our televisions of information and comedy and drama and you name it. <clears throat> We've got uh, cell phones with people calling us and texting us. We've got emails. We've got uh, uh, the social media stuff, the, the the Facebook and the the Twitter and you name it. It's all out there, and I'm doing it too. Uh, I'm really not doing it because I want to. I'm not doing any of it uh, in the social media stuff because I want to. Uh, usually I'm doing it because I have a purpose in mind. I'm mean, you know, pushing Appleseed uh, or pushing uh, BattleRoadUSA.com. Uh, uh, I'm 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 doing it because I'm trying to get a message out to folks. But nonetheless, we're bombarded by this all day long, every single day. <clears throat> We've got uh, tons and tons of information flying at us, uh, just like if we were if we were standing in the middle of a paper shredding company and a hurricane ripped the roof off and came in. That's what it's like, and. While this is going on, we have the government that's passing bills uh, every single day. Something's going on. And how do you know about it? Because a lot of times they don't say anything. Because I guarantee you there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the government that, uh, that they're they're doing it like uh, like when my dogs might get into the trash, right? They grab some trash and they run out into the field with it. And I look out there for them. I don't see them. They put their head up a little bit. And I, I'll take a look at them. And they put their head down. They're hiding from me. That's how I envision the government uh, a lot of times passing a lot of these bills, uh, sliding stuff by us. And I don't think I don't think that the majority of the people in the government are bad people. I don't think they're, they're bad people. They're inherently evil people with with uh, with any kind of a hidden agenda or anything like that. Now, there could be. I don't know. There could be. But, but I don't believe that there is. I, I don't believe any government, especially ours, any government could ever get its stuff together enough that it could do something like that. But then again, who knows? I just just keep telling you about the fact that we don't see what's we don't see the, the, the common and obvious that's going by us during the day because because it's part of that snowstorm of information that we're getting. But I still don't think that 
that our representatives are doing things that are inherently evil if they're trying to be evil. Uh, some are. Yeah, some are. There's some bad there's some bad apples out there that really need plucking and shredding. But I don't think the majority are not. I think that they they are just connected. I think that the majority of the folks that are in the government, I don't think that they uh, uh, the, the most of them, I don't think they have to mow their yards or that they wonder how they're going to pay the next fuel bill or change their tires or or put a new radiator in their vehicle, stuff like that. They, they, they're separated from that. And they don't understand that. <clears throat> you don't understand what a lot of the rest of the nation goes to. They, they're living on a different plane. And then I think that a lot of the folks, and you see this, you see this all the time. You see it in real life, and then, of course, uh, art imitates life, and they make plenty of movies about it. About the folks who go into the government, and they're trying to do the right thing, but they, they. They eventually get ground down. They're trying to push a uh, a one million pound grinding wheel uphill while it's spinning in the reverse way, and they just get ground up. And uh, they eventually become part of it. And then that then that is also part of the way that the government works. You know, you've got to get along to to, to go along. You got to go along to get along. That means that you have to you have to do things. You have to compromise yourself in order to get things done. Now, I see some people in the in uh, in the chat or at least let me pick out some of the good stuff they're saying here. Saying here. Uh, let's see. I just saw somebody saying something that they thought one of the people was inherently evil. Oh okay, I see what it is. Uh, Kevin says that that Nancy Pelosi, you think Nancy Pelosi is inherently evil. Well, it, or she's the poster child for inherently evil. That could be. I don't know. Uh, and like I said, we're not going to – you guys can do this stuff in the chat room. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to read some of the stuff that's, that's good that they're writing here because, like I said, we're not going to – we're not going to – Try and dash, folks. I've got plenty of dashing that I could do, but I, I save that for the campfire. I'm going to dash somebody, and usually I, usually I just dash them uh, when I'm in the room by myself. Uh, with the, uh, you know, there's a channel that uh, that follows the the government. They've got a like a TV channel that where you can watch everything going online. That's usually where I save my my dashing for. Uh, so okay, but I've been I, I've been talking here for quite a while about this. What I'd like to do, I'd like some of you guys to start calling in. Let's hear your ideas on this, okay? Three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. What I'm specifically asking for <clears throat> is the things that uh, that you think can be done. Uh, first of all, I'd like to know what you what you think about about another four years with uh, President Obama 
And, uh, and like I said, I, I just want to hear uh, some factual stuff and uh, no name-calling or screaming or anything frothing them off. What do you think that the another four years is going to do to the nation and why? And then I'd like to hear some folks talking about what they think that we can do uh, to make things better. Because, like I said, that's the whole point of of what we're doing at Appleseed. That's the whole point of being a human being, right? The whole point of being a good human being is to make things better. Make things better for yourself, for your family, for your home, for your community, for your neighborhood, for your city, for your county, for your state, for your nation. You want to make things better. So how are you going to do this? And that's what I would like. I can see Ed. Ed was on the line just listening. And uh, he was on the, I could see him on the switchboard. He was just listening. But he jumped out of there quick whenever I said I was going to start. I was going to start kicking people in. Ed, <laughs> Ed, you can listen on the, you can listen on the switchboard if you want. I promise I'm not going to drag you into the ring. <clears throat> he says he, uh, he hung up and turned on the computer just to be safe to make sure he didn't get drugged in. I, I'm not going to drag anybody into the ring if they don't want to. You can talk to Sam first. Sam will, if you call in, Sam will just ask you if you're listening, if you want to talk. And uh, he does it off the air, so no, you're not going to, nobody's going to hear what you're saying. And then, uh, and then he'll put you on the air. <clears throat> but at the same time, what I'd like to see you guys to be doing is, is, like I said, is just while you're sitting here listening, just a few minutes that we're listening here, uh, why don't you why don't you Google executive orders and read some of them and see what you think about some of them. If you find something interesting, then call in and we'll talk about that. Uh, there is there were a ton of executive orders uh written during Barack Obama's uh first four years dealing with with national security within the United States. And that is uh uh all of the things that uh that the our government would do if it felt that its citizens were becoming unruly or they were getting out of hand and what steps would be taken uh, to control them. So, uh, if you want to, uh, if you guys want to look up some of those, then uh, then we'll talk about them on the air. If you want to look up some of the uh, the bills and uh, and stuff that are being considered, and uh, talk about that, well, we'll do that. Usually, we don't because uh, you know that the 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 apple seed philosophy. Uh, is that those most of the bills and stuff that uh, our government produces? Those are the equivalent of uh, of the icebergs that that the folks uh, on the Titanic face. They're the equivalent of the the icebergs that were threatening 
the Titanic. So why wouldn't we be worried about those? Why wouldn't we we want to jump up and down and yell when when we see something? And the, and the reason is is because <clears throat> just like the Titanic, the icebergs that that you see out there in the ocean, uh, even if the guys that night, you know, the guys on the Titanic on the fateful night that it struck the iceberg, there were several guys up in the crone's nest, and their, their job was to watch for icebergs, you know, to let, let the, uh, the bridge know when icebergs were coming. Now, this particular night, the purser had locked the cabinet containing the uh, the binoculars and the rest of the gear that the uh, that the crew members were supposed to be using in order to spot the icebergs. He'd locked them up and uh, he'd taken the key with him when he went to bed. And they didn't want to wake him. I, I suppose they were fearful that they would uh, that they would get on the bad side if they woke him, so they didn't wake him. All right. So they ended up up in the crow's nest at night without any binoculars to to see what was coming. Okay, but here's the thing. Say they did. Say they had the binoculars and they saw the iceberg coming, and they they were yelling out, "Look out! It's coming! Help! Help!" And they missed the iceberg. Then the ship would have been saved, right? <clears throat> well, yeah, it would have been. For that, from that, for that particular moment, from that particular iceberg. But here's the problem: there are there are literally uh, millions of icebergs in the ocean uh, in that area at that time of year. So they missed that one, but but there was another one behind it, and another behind that one, and another behind that one. <clears throat> so so what's the answer? Is the answer really? To make sure that you've got uh, you've got guys up in the crow's nest that are that are looking for the icebergs to make sure that they don't hit it. Well, that's a good temporary thing, but that's not the answer, right? Because uh, because odds are they're they're going to they're going to run into one because the ocean's full of them. So the answer is not to point out. The iceberg, and he'll look out. Look out, here comes House Bill 686, and it's it's talking about limiting freedom of speech in uh, in a church zone, or it's talking about uh, not allowing uh, uh, pastors and rabbis and, and whoever else, not allowing them uh, to say certain things. How can, that, how can they do that? Well, you should be on the lookout for that. You should yell when you see it. The problem is, is like I said, there's there's millions of icebergs, and there's thousands of bills. The the government, I don't think, is ever going to slow down its its march of creating additional laws and rules and bills and on and on. That's that is the nature of the beast, right? Because if they said, all right, we've got enough rules, then we then most people say, well, then what do we need you guys for then? We got all the rules we need. And you guys can you guys can take off because we've got all the rules and and the, the government and the Congress and the folks are not the people that enforce the rules. So what will we need them for? Well, they they need to make more rules. 
They need to make more. They need to govern us more. They, they need to make sure we're doing exactly what the government thinks we need to be doing in order for us to be good citizens. <clears throat> so in order, in order to fix this situation, we can't put people up in the crow's nest with binoculars to look for the icebergs because even if they see it, even if we have some uh, uh, gosh darn great zigzagging ship that can miss them, eventually our luck's going to run out. We're going to smack dab into one of the icebergs, and we're going to sink. We're going to go down with all hands. Yeah. So what do we do? Well, we can't change the fact that, that there's icebergs out there, right? Well, maybe we can. So instead of us pointing out each and every iceberg and yelling, uh, you know, iceberg, oh, look out, here it comes. Uh, what if we what if we crank the temperature up there, right? What if we change the climate? And that is the goal of Apple C, you know? Looking at the icebergs, yelling at icebergs, that's, that falls in the category of uh, of weather, right? Because that's what we're experiencing right now. We're experiencing uh, not a change of weather. We're experiencing a continuation of the weather that we've had for the last four years. Because look at it. The you know weather always changes. It will be sunny this week. It will be uh, uh, cloudy and rainy next week. And that's the same with us. It'll be Democrats this week. And then they'll do something, and everybody will get angry, and then it'll be Republicans. And then the Republicans will do what they always do, which is nothing. They'll do nothing. And then everybody will get mad at them for doing nothing, and then they will change again. That's the weather. Rainy this week, sunny next week. You know, what good is that? What good is it to jack with the weather? What you have to do is you have to alter the climate. You have to crank the temperature up so that there are no more icebergs. They can't form up. The, the temperature doesn't allow them to. Once they crack off the mainland body of ice, they immediately begin to melt. And it's the same thing with with us. It's what we need to do. We need to to make sure that we change the climate, that we change the idea uh, in the mind of the politicians, that anybody that jacks with the Constitution, anybody that, that tries to to destroy or limit our freedoms, then they will disappear. Uh, they, they Then they will know this. So the, the bills won't even, they won't even think about making a bill like that because they know that would be the end of them. And that's what, what that's our place. That is our power. Our power is usually in our strong hand index finger. But it's not for squeezing the trigger. It's for poking the ballot. That's where our strength lies. That's what we should be doing. Changing the climate so that the the icebergs can't form up. All right, we're going to take a call now. We're uh, taking Spit Stickler. He says he wants to talk. He said he wants to talk calmly and coolly and, uh, and give us his idea of what uh, what he believes that we'll be experiencing in the next four years and what he thinks that we can do to make the nation better. Go ahead, Kirk. Welcome to the 
the president. It's with the rest of the folks. It's the folks that are spending money uh, by the boatloads. And that's usually not the president. That's the people that we have representing us. That's the the senators and congressmen that we have that are that are spending like there's no tomorrow. All right, and that's where we need. Uh, that's where we've got to do something about it. And yeah, I understand what you're saying that the uh, the number of actual voters and stuff like that has gone down, but it does. It goes up and down. That's like the, that's the weather part that I was talking about. That's why I'm saying we need to change the climate. We need to change the climate so that that it is that it's taught in school that it's taught that you're going to that you're going to vote that it's your duty to vote it's a, it's your sacred obligation to to be out there and be voting and to to take part in what's going on in the nation uh, right now I mean they had some some stuff on the other day. Uh, on the television that was talking about uh, about the 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 ignorance of the voters. Now they were picking on uh, Democrat uh, voters, and I say Democrat because that's that's the party. It's Democrat. It's not the Democratic Party. It's the Democrats, and they were picking on the Democrats, and they were they were. Asking them questions like, "Does it bother you that uh, that oh, President Obama's or running mate uh, Paul Ryan is black and that he's a Muslim?" I mean, you know, people are saying, "Oh no, no, I think that's good. I think it's good that he's, you know, that he's standing up for his beliefs and stuff like that." And on and on and on. And I don't think that they were like, I don't think that they were going through a hundred people and picking out their worst answers. They were just, this was the people they were hitting on the street that day. That is the folks that uh, that are electing, that are out there pushing the buttons too. Now, what can we do about that? I don't know. You know that's, a, that's always been the case uh, in our nation, in every nation. And what can we do to make sure that people do know what they're voting for and why? I don't know. You got any ideas? Well, I mean, everything starts with education. So, I mean, it's... Uh, if they're not getting an education in school, um, you know, what do we expect? Right. So I'm going to bring on some more folks with us. All right. We're going to have like a round table here. Uh, this is uh, the old guy up in Maine. Uh, old guy, OG, original Good gangster. Evening. Good evening. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, what do you my have show. for us? Well, I know that your show your show spends a lot more time talking about uh, about politics and the nature of the beast. Give us some of the insights that uh, that you've gotten from your show. Well, I try to I try to relate history. You know, our forefathers to our present day, their ideas as contrasted by ideas of politicians today, who are often unfamiliar with our forefathers, and they say, where did you learn this stuff? You know? First of all, they're not sure it's really true what I'm saying. And then they say, well, where did you learn that? Say, well, you could learn it as an apple seed. I throw that in on a frequent basis. Well, well see, most of the people, don't, they don't know anything about, uh, anything about the government or anything about the Constitution. People are People will be 
they're ready to tell you that the Constitution says, my gosh, it says right in the Constitution that there is a separation of church and state. And it's right in the Constitution, written right in there. And, uh, and of course, I got a copy in my wallet, and I just take too. it out, and I hand it to him. I go, let's show me, show me real quick, because it's a very thin book. The Constitution is not big at all. So show me real quick where it is, because if it's in there, then I'm going to get on your bandwagon, and I'm going to wave your flag. I'm going to be right there with it, but show me first where it is in there. And they can't because it's not because because they're they're relying on uh, on on unreal stories that they've heard. Nobody's taking the time to read it. Nobody's taking the time to educate themselves on it. Well, I I I carry one in my pocket every day. When I wear it out, when it wears out, I I, I got a new one. My wallet has a back pocket that's just the right size for the Constitution, except a little tiny bit sticks out. So a little tiny bit of the edges get frayed, but the rest of it's safe and sound. I would relate it to exactly what we do. You know, there's a lot of people out there all across the nation, probably at least there's like 80 million of them, 80 million of your fellow Americans that have firearms. <clears throat> but I can tell you, I, I would imagine that just about every single one of us who, who who's hearing my voice has been right there when one of those people with one of the, with their one of their firearms either swept them or they had their finger on the trigger or they did any number of unsafe things because they didn't know because nobody had told them that uh, even though right nobody nobody should really have to tell you this nobody told them that. Uh, that having a round in the chamber and having your finger on the trigger as you're walking through the woods, that that might not be a good thing. That's really not a safe thing. They just that's what they that's what they've always done. That's the that's the same nature of the beast that we face with with our fellow American voters is that a lot of them are out there walking around on the streets, getting ready to walk into the election booth and plug in their vote. With their finger on the trigger and around in the chamber, and uh, the safety off, and their sights aren't on the target. They're just walking around. That's the same thing that we're facing. So why, how do we fix it? How does this get fixed? Well, it it does start with education, and we're of course in Appleseed. We're in the education business. That's what we do. Absolutely, yeah. that's what we do. We got uh, we've got dual purpose education. We're teaching people about the about the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship. Now at the same time, they get a rock solid course in rifle safety. That's just thrown in for free. And on top of that, they'll get a couple of hours usually during the uh, the two days of information about the beginning of our nation and. Uh, and sometimes if you have a guy like uh, like my buddy Dean, didactic, they may get uh, more than just a couple of hours. They may get a whole 20 minutes or 25 minutes on uh, on the history of what happened before <laughs> April 19th. God bless him. And we're going to give them some information about that. And that's where we start out. That's the whole purpose of what we do. You know, we're we're like a... We're like a launching pad, you know. We're getting folks there. We're getting them revved up, fueled up. We're pointing them in the right direction. Then we're lighting the fuse, and we're shooting them off out into the 
out into space. And we're hoping that we've pointed them in the right direction. We're hoping that they've listened to the things that we've told them at the apple seed and that they're going to use those things to help make a better nation. So if that's one of the one of the answers, then then what else can we do? What else besides that? We've got apple seed and we're all we're all on the same page there. We're all beating the apple seed drum just as hard as we can. What else is there that we can do? What else can, what else can we do to to help guide our nation? All right, I'm going to bring a I'm going to bring a, another couple of fellows on with us. Uh, we've got Warren who wants to talk. Warren, welcome to the show. Hey, Scout, how you doing? I'm doing okay, I guess, for the next four years. How about yourself? My wife told me to, uh, when I, I woke up the next day after Election Day, my wife said, go back to sleep for another four years, you want. <laughs> uh, you know what? My wife told me the same thing. We watched it, but we're not, like, we're not night, night owls. We watched it for a while, and then... Uh, <clears throat> And then when it starts getting, when our eyes start getting heavy, we, my wife clicks on the Judge Judy. That's like her uh, lullaby show, and she'll watch that until she goes to sleep. And of course, I go to sleep too. And when we woke up the next morning, I started reaching over the table, and she got her her phone, and she manipulated some of the controls on it. And she looked over it, and she goes, "Go back to sleep, honey. Go back to sleep with uh, with the thought that everything's going to be okay for the next four years." And uh, just kind of snickered and got out of bed and, and walked off. So I knew what she was saying. And but here's the thing, okay? It's done. It's a done deal. Now yeah. we're here. We're here for the next four the, years. The so how are we going to do? For, first of all, uh, you got any ideas on right. what you think that uh, that is going to be problems with the fact that we have this the same president? And if you do, got any ideas on what we can do to? to get by, to, to, to live underneath those problems or to make things better. Because like I said, that's our main goal is making things better. What do you what do you think? What do you think that there's going to be any of the differences or any of the any of the problems or good things that uh, another four years of, of President Obama are going to bring us? Well, I've, I've, I've got a couple of uh, things on that. I, I think, first of all, the other team won because they were better organized. They had the Chicago organization working very hard, um, and they've just en- enlarged their Chicago politics style nationwide now. Um, you know, you see how that goes with uh, you know money under the table, favors being done here, favors being done there. It's not like it hasn't been done on the other side either. Um, as for education, well, you know, you look who our educators are. You know, they're. Um, I have friends who uh, who are teachers that went to Columbia University, and uh, I have to tell you, some of their ideas are are a little bit, you know, the way they think is is a little bit different and little little fun. But we need to engage these people, and slowly, calmly, like you know, you're not going to change uh, the direction of a big ship really quickly. And and the other team has been working a long time at this, uh, just from. Uh, you know, uh, you know these crazy hippie ideas of the '70s are now, you know, some of the people with their hands on the wheel, and um, you know, it's 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 just come to fruition, and and maybe things will have to get bad enough that the rest of America kind of like goes holy mackerel. Uh, you know, we handed the teenagers the credit card. Let's get it back. 
Um, in the meantime, as you know, the folks that are behaving as parents are going to still have to pay off that credit card. Uh, so that's you know, these poor kids are going to have a debt to pay off that's bigger than the college debt that they're going to assume on their own later. Um, it, it's kind of you know an organizational problem. We need to organize much the same way. Although I don't think that we should register dead people to vote and uh, maybe the RICO laws should be applied to uh, political parties uh, since they have a pattern of, of, of corrupt uh, corrupt behavior there, Scout. So, you know, we need to change, like you said, the climate where, first of all, politics, you know, the right to vote is very important and has to be handed, um, you know, every citizen needs to be in franchise to vote. But maybe, right. um, yeah, we ought to be checking closer as to are they citizens or are they alive? Um, I'm not sure that well, dead I heard, people I heard a lot citizens. of stuff. I heard a lot of <laughs> stories, and I don't know how much of them were true, but I heard a lot of stories about the unions going around and rounding up uh, the illegals to vote, uh, telling them that they were going to be deported if they didn't vote for Obama, about the unions being told that uh, that if they did not vote for Obama, they might they would walk up right now and put their union cards on the table, uh, on and on. But, you know, I, I don't know if that's true or not. And, you know, even if it is, then, then <laughs> it's not right. But you, like you said, they were very, very it organized. It devalues the, uh, you know, that sacred... Um, Right and and duty. Um, if you just let anybody that's not a citizen vote, you know it's it's you know that that well, that thankfully here in Texas, when I walked up to the the voting uh, table, and of course when I was very it was very casual uh, out here. I'm, like I said, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. I went to the community center and uh, <clears throat> and walked in, and I think there were three machines there, and uh, there were just the the people running the place. There was a guy and his wife and daughter, and uh, and I had to show all of my identification to to vote. Everything had to be checked. Everything had to be rechecked, and then uh, and then I got my number and got on the machine. And uh, I've also heard a lot of stuff about the about electronics, uh, tomfoolery, and stuff like that. But but I don't know. See, and I, I don't know uh, if somebody knows for sure that something happened. I'd be I'd be glad to hear about it. But most of it I don't know. Listen, I've got another guy on hold here. We got Ed on on hold, and he said he's barely under control. So I I, I made him wait uh, 13 minutes now uh, <laughs> to make sure that he was cooling down. Nonetheless, guys, don't have your phones real close to your ears when he comes on. Ed, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. Hey, um, how are you hey, doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's, I just feel that I need to say something that has not been said, and it's that uh, the Republican Party, for better or worse, has lately been chasing away certain elements of the party, which they call rhinos, uh, you know, Republicans in name only. And, you know, I happen to be one of those folks. Um, I'm registered Republican, but I have very, very much libertarian leanings, um, if Romney had treated Ron Paul and his delegates better at the Republican National Convention, he might have been able to bring me under the tent. But 
they treated us like pariahs. They, you know, did everything in their power to illegally, you know, and against uh, the rules of, and process of the convention to make sure that we couldn't put his name up for a vote. I mean, we were going Absolutely. to lose. I told you, that's, that's the nature of the beast. Man, it's self-protection. And that's yep. the problem with our government. It's gotten the, our government has gotten to the point where it, it's not looking out for us. It's looking out for itself. It's trying exactly. to make sure that it stays in power, no matter what the yep. Yep. Uh, the results to the nation. That's where the problem has come in. I think stuff like term limits would go a great a great deal of the way toward helping to resolve some of this. You've got the term limits, and you tell the guys, look, there's you got two terms. That's it. That's it. So don't don't build your feather bed there. Don't don't get the hot tub installed because you're not going to be there that long, man. Well, let me start limiting this, this so that there can't be dynasties and legacies there. Let me ask you this, Scout. Um, you said two two terms. Is that you know both House and Senate, or do they get through two terms in each? Hmm. I don't know. I would need to, I would need to look at that more because I don't know the the best way to do it because you know on the one hand you think about it and you go well they've got a they got a there's be a got to be some kind of a learning curve but does there I mean do they really need that well, I remember my, my first idea was this is that is that we don't have we don't hold elections to uh, to get our representatives uh, instead there's a lottery. There's a lottery, and you get a letter in the mail and it says greetings, uh, just like the old uh, draft board announcement, greetings. Uh, you will be reporting to Washington in uh, five months or four months. You are going to serve a term of two years, and then you will return to civilian life. You'll be paid a good salary to do this. Your job will be, uh, will be guarded and guaranteed that you'll have a job when you return, <laughs> and that's it. And uh, those, that's the way people would be elected. But I don't know. Is that going to fix anything? I, because they'll have you know, people some, that are probably ready to jump on those guys that are elected and or that are to the lottery and try and change them. I don't know what the answer is. I, <laughs> I, I personally like the idea of a lottery a lot. But, um, I mean, if you're going to go with term limits, uh, what I really believe is that you should state something similar to what I'm about to say, which is that, if you have been in office less than 10 years, you can be elected to another office. That way, the maximum that you could serve ever is 16 years. And that, that seems to be good to me because, I mean, you said two terms. Two terms in the Senate is 12 years. So if they are in Congress for five terms and then they get elected to the Senate, that's 16. They're done. Right, they're, right, right. If they're in office in Congress for 10 years and they're elected to the presidency – that's 14, done. And, you know, that sort of limit I, I can just, live with. But I, I like I the lottery like better. I, well, I don't, like the, I don't like the idea of guys being there 10, 12, 14, 20 years because, because then uh, it's, it's, it's no longer the people that, that are important. It's that guy. That guy knows where all the bodies are buried. That guy has done all the deals. He's... He's the most powerful guy, and you got to do what he says. I don't like that idea. I don't like there being like godfathers in in Washington. I don't think 
I don't think that it is such a uh, that it is such a compli- I know it's a complicated job, but I don't think it's such a complicated one that uh, that that you have to do it for 20 years to be good at it. I think you should be able to. Uh, I think that that we need some fresh people instead of a bunch of people. Like I said, who have already done all the deals, they got the the dope on everybody, and they and they're forcing people to adhere to their to their ways of doing things. Well, you know, this is why one of the things that I think would be a very good start is the repeal of the Seventeenth Amendment. I mean, the senators should represent the state's interests by electing them. We have changed the dynamic of the entire union. That's right. That's right. They're there. They are there to represent their state. They're not there to become part of uh, of a federal being or a federal entity. They're supposed to be there representing their state. Now, this in this last election when I when I voted here, uh, I made sure that that all of my votes when I I, I made sure that I studied the ticket ahead of time. And in the majority of the cases, what I did was, and, and where I was lucky in certain parts of it, is that there were a great many of the uh, uh, of the races here were between Republican and Libertarian. There was no Democrat that was running. And every time there was one of those, and, and, I, and a couple of times there were a couple of Republicans I thought actually did a fairly decent job. Nonetheless, I made sure that I voted for the uh, the third party candidate uh, in every instance where it wasn't going to be a showdown between uh, the two parties, I think that the two party system right now is absolutely destroying our ability to get anything done. Uh, people aren't caring about they're not caring about the people; they're caring about the game, about the game, how many points they've got, how many players. Uh, you know, play fantasy football for Washington. Uh, we've got to do X, Y, Z so that we can we can retake the Senate. Come on, guys! Uh, and that's not the, that's not that's not the game. The game is what can we do to ensure that we're doing the best possible job for the people that we represent. Like you said, our state, our 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 state's interests. Now, obviously, there has to be uh, there has to be a an understanding of the country as a whole, that you're doing things for the country as a whole, but you should be doing things for the country as a whole from the outlook of I'm sitting I'm sitting here in the driver's seat of my state, and I want to make sure, first of all, that my state is, is making it wherever I'm driving it to, and that's where, they, that's where their mind should be. Um. Sorry, Scout. You, uh, I was typing on the forum there for a moment. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. Listen, I'm going to bring another. Uh, I'm going to bring another voice in because uh, uh, Melissa wants to talk about the the UN tree that's coming in, and I'm always. Uh, I think we're always lucky to have Melissa uh, uh, giving this information because Melissa actually goes. Uh, she actually does this almost full time, and uh, she's been traveling around, uh, uh, traveling around, spreading the word of, of especially what's going on in the UN for quite a while. Melissa, welcome to the show. 
Thank you. Um, I just wanted to mention it was the first order of duty after he was reelected is he has restarted up the UN Small Arms Treaty issue. Um, he knows that, that he'll thing, never win through Congress. Did that next morning. Yep. Uh, oh yeah, exactly. The first thing he did. Um, and he knows that he can't control us until we're disarmed, and so he's going to push until until that happens. And um, sadly, this train is moving faster. Um, you know, it's nice to think about what if, but you know, yes. Republican Democrat, that's nothing more than just a distraction for us. Um, that's exactly it's right. a cover for the new world order, and you know, they're on target and they're moving forward and. Um, Tuesday was a sad day for America. I know that our our founding fathers rolled over in their grave. There should have been an earthquake. All our founding fathers rolling over in their grave. Um, but you know, again, I don't think our election process is um, uh, legitimate. I I think you know, particularly here in North Carolina, there were several people who claimed to have voted for Romney, and it came up with Obama's name. And that happened in several, several polling places. You can't tell me that was just a fluke that happened here and there. It happened a lot. So, you know, I think if if we really had the truth about our election process, we would find out that this was all um, predestined. I know that, you know, my son is as Navy Special Forces and that a lot of our military were disenfranchised. Their votes were not counted. And since they tend to go Republican, um, many of their votes, they weren't even allowed to cast votes because they moved from one base to the other. And uh, so many, many of our troops were disenfranchised. And, you know, then I must say. That's a common, that's a very common thing. It happens almost every election cycle, no matter matter who's running or how how it's done. A great deal of the time, they make sure that, especially if we have troops deployed overseas, they try and they make sure that uh, uh, that the somehow and, and who knows? I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you for sure because I don't know. I couldn't tell you for sure. Well, my son's military, and I'm purpose. telling you, he he told me. Well, I, I can't even repeat some things that he told me, but. But you know the Benghazi thing. Be you know, well, you know, sadly, if if the people on the line tonight are getting all their news from television media, they're not getting the truth. They're not getting it all. They're getting propaganda. They're going to have oh, to yeah. get their news elsewhere. Um, think, hopefully, most, most people of, realize most that. People. But you know, the average voter thinks that they can go to TV and get the truth, and it, it's not the truth. Benghazi, my goodness, that was an inside job. You know, they were they were staging a kidnap attempt. Uh, you know, it was all inside, and uh oh, they screwed up and killed our ambassador, and that wasn't supposed to happen. And then they tried to cover it up, and uh, you know, our seals that that rushed in against orders and fought them off for seven hours before they were murdered, calling for help the whole time. Our our administration did not send help, actually relieved a rear a rear admiral and a general of their command because they were going to defy orders. You know, the military takes uh, an oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, domestic and foreign. So 
they knew what was going on, and and they rose to the occasion. Well, they were immediately relieved of their command. So what's going on, uh, you know, within the White House? Obviously, it's an inside job uh, that went bad. They didn't turn turn out quite the way they had planned. So that was covered up, and it was uh, snuffed over, and they stonewalled. For how long? Two months they stonewalled because of the election and covered it up. And I think if the American people knew the truth about Benghazi, how could they? Well, so, uh, there's a lot of things that, that there's a there's a huge amount of things that will probably that most of America is never going to know, uh, never going to know the truth about that. They're never going to you're never going to know the real thing because that's that's one of the uh, that's one of the things about government, you know, and, and when you get up to a certain level, <clears throat> the a lot of the things that are done uh, are done for their face value, not for not for the reason that they're being said to be done, uh, because there's so much there are so many other things involved in those in those decisions. Right. Let me read you uh, a list and and. I want to try to make sure that this is correct. <clears throat> but uh, President Obama has uh, has issued over 900 executive orders. Uh, mm-hmm. his, his and how about the NDAA that went in in March? If anybody well, me, read that executive order alone, how could they vote for him? But they don't. They don't pay attention. Just, uh, let me give you a uh, a quick <clears throat> a quick reading of these and. Uh, let me make sure that this is uh of all nine hundred the <laughs> center no 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 this is the, this is the center for western journalism uh and uh this is part of a uh part of a uh, uh a piece written on this uh one of the things that, uh, that president obama has been doing he's gotten really good at is by sides is sidestepping congress because uh, his big thing for the last four years has been the uh, it's called the the We Can't Wait initiative that he's that he's pushed through with his uh, with his people and with his office. It's a We Can't Wait initiative. And that means that we don't have time for this to go through Congress. We don't have time for this for you guys to do this. We got to do this right now because it's important. And during that time, as I said, he pushed through over 900 executive orders. And mm-hmm. that was that was before the end of his his first four years. Let me read you a, a few of the the ones that, that to me that caused me a little bit of concern uh, because I, I I don't know that they're needed, but but some of these things they are. That executive Order One Zero Nine Nine Zero that allows the government to take over all modes of transportation and the control of all highways and all seaports. Uh, Executive Order 10995, which allows the government to seize control of all communication and all media. Mm-hmm. Executive Order 10997 <laughs> allows the government to take over all electrical power, gas, petroleum, fuels, minerals, all everything in the nation. Mm-hmm. Executive Order 11000 allows the government to mobilize civilians into work brigades under the government's supervision. Now, to me, this sounds That's like communism. Uh, well, I, I just think it just sounds like a, a forced, uh, a forced 
situation because, uh, uh, you know, allowing the government to mobilize civilians. I'm sure they're not they're not saying, okay, you guys uh, raise your hands if you want to if you want to help. I'm sure they're saying you're just you're going to do it. Uh, Executive Order Order One One Zero Zero One allows the government to take overall health education and welfare education and functions. Executive Order 11002 designates the Postmaster General to operate a national registration of all persons. Mm -hmm. Executive Order 11003 allows the government to take over all airports, all aircraft, including commercial and private. Executive Order 11004 allows the Housing and Finance Authority to relocate and establish new locations for populations. Mm-hmm, that means mm-hmm. they can take people and they can take them somewhere else and establish a new location for populations. Right, Executive they can move people into your house if they want to. Allows the government to take over all railroads, inland waterways, public storage facilities. Uh, this is just a. Uh, this is just. Uh, there's plenty more. Like I said, there's over 900 of them. There's plenty more, and and. Uh, I'm not I'm not reading these to try and put fear into you. What I'm asking you to do, and I'm sure a lot of people have not read these, what I'm asking you to do is to make sure that you are going out and you're reading and that you're uh that you are being aware of what's being done because just like uh, the old guy said and Ed uh and the rest of the folks that the a lot of the reason that we are in the position we're in is because of the ignorance of the American people and the ignorance of the American people's voting fingers, the apathy of Americans. That's the, right. The folks getting unplugged and uh, and deciding that uh, either, either they don't think that their vote's going to make a difference, which, you know, that may, may, or not, may not be right in whatever location they're in, but they don't think their vote's going to make a difference, or they simply have no knowledge whatsoever of of anything that's being voted on. Ed, you have. Uh, well, you have what I've seen, like particularly with young people, is they're very self-serving, and a lot of them see Obama as Santa Claus. What's in it for me? What kind of free stuff can I get? And um, right. and so goes sixty-five percent of our society. So you've got 35% carrying the load, and the rest of them are for a free ride waiting for Santa Claus to give them some more stuff. That's right. That's kind of it in a nutshell, isn't it? And after a while, the 35% get tired. That's it. Ed, you got something? Yeah, 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 I I do. Um, I mean, what you have to do is look back on the education system, um, as a previous caller had mentioned. And... What you have going on there is that, you know, the unions are protecting all of their buddies um, for teaching our kids, even if they don't, you know, they aren't particularly good at teaching our kids. So, I mean, you know, I don't have a problem with organized labor per se. I have a problem with organized labor when it comes to public services because with public services, you have, you know, different pieces of the government negotiating with these guys and they don't really have real constraints on their on their money. They know that they can appropriate from us the people any amount of money that they really want to. You know, it's 
No, oh, they yeah, just print it. They're just printing more. Well, <laughs> let, let's not even worry about national-level politics right here at the moment and the Federal Reserve, which I agree with entirely. But the education has convinced our young folks, and in fact, this is a poll that I just read, says that they, young people under the age of 25, actually approve of socialism more than they approve of capitalism right now, today. Absolutely. And that is a real problem, because if our system is to actually move forward, if we were to hold true to our beliefs and what made this country great, (laughs) that is an anamathea of epic proportion. And I'm sorry for using big words. (laughs) Well, that's that's one of the, that's one of the things that we're trying to do, and, and I want to say we. I'm talking about Appleseed. And it's one of the things that I see done every time a young person shows up to an event. You know, I see it. I see a sea change in at least 50 percent of the kids who attend an Appleseed, and and I agree. I think that uh, you know there's, but this is part of the this is part of the weather thing. And we want to make sure that we're that we at Appleseed are trying to think of the climate. But you know, part of the weather thing is that you have uh, you have generations who raise their children differently, and and a lot of the current generations have raised the children to think that everything comes to them. They don't have to they don't have to work for anything, and that is that is the like a fertile ground for socialism, is that things will right. come to them. If they don't have but, to do but, anything to make it come, it will just come to them. But, Scout, let's, let's be honest here. The current generation hasn't raised their children. Their children have been in daycare. They have been in school. Both parents have been working. No one's going mm-hmm. to raise those children. Yeah. So right. there's no well, hurting yeah. of value. I mean, it is that from age probably three until they're, you know, out in the workforce at 18, or if they go to college, and, and, and let's be honest there, I mean, the money is free money coming from the government, which is guaranteed by the government, so the big banks can't lose any money. And then on top of that, the government legislated that even if you go into bankruptcy, you cannot discharge student loans. So... There is no possibility, zero zilch nada, for the banks to ever lose money for lending money to kids for for their higher education. So, given this unlimited free money, what has happened to the cost of education? The colleges know that they can charge more and more and more and more. I mean, I look at some of the benefits that what these students are getting whenever they're in school, and I go back and look at my own education, and I'm like, my fucking God. It's, you know, they're they're they're... They're getting a ransom of education (laughs) because they know they can charge for it. Yeah, let's uh, keep it I have a a quote that kind of sums up, you know, what's happened with this election, and I I wanted to uh, read it real quickly if I can. It says, the danger to America is not Barack Obama, but a a citizenry capable of entrusting a man like him with the presidency. 
it will be far easier to limit and undo the follies of an Obama presidency than to restore the necessary common sense and good judgment to a depraved electorate willing to have such a man for their president. The problem is much deeper and far more serious than Mr. Obama, who was a mere symptom of what ails America. Blaming the prince of the fools should not blind anyone to the vast confederacy of fools that made him their prince. The republic can survive a Barack Obama, who is, after all, merely a fool. It is less likely to survive a multitude of fools such as those who made him their president. If that doesn't sum it up, I don't know what does. Right. Well, so let me get, let me jump in here real quick with uh, with an update, and this is what I was trying to find while I was talking. Okay. And, uh, which I'm sure you could probably tell that uh, you can tell whenever I'm working the keyboard, and that is that uh, that uh, some of the executive orders that I mentioned that uh, that Obama signed. <clears throat> It actually been initially uh, put in place by other presidents. All right, so I just want to make sure that you guys know that and that you're 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 checking even the stuff that I'm telling you on here because uh, even though this is a uh, even though this is a pretty well uh, well uh, studied website I'm on uh, that. That things aren't always exactly what folks say. Okay, so make sure that uh, that you're checking these. That's why I was asking people to go ahead and make sure that you're checking and reading through uh, the executive orders that uh, not just Obama, but read through all of the executive orders that uh, that that have been put in place uh, by our presidents, by the White House. Uh, <clears throat> All right, uh, I'm going to take another tack right now. We've got uh, we've got about 18 minutes left. Let me ask you guys: uh, uh, Are uh, there is a, a current trend by a great many people uh, to to put themselves into the mode of uh, what I would call prepping? Prepping has become a almost a mainstream uh, event, which I'm actually very I'm very happy to see. Uh, you know, they've got the TV shows about it, Doomsday Preppers and stuff like that. And of course, most of those shows are really ridiculous because you can tell that uh, what they've done is they tried to seek out somebody that was uh, uh, that was a little bit different. Because I talked to a lot of the show's producers and stuff like that, so I know exactly what they're doing. Anyway, they uh, they have gotten folks to come on and talk about prepping, but the reality is <clears throat> is that uh, that folks are, which, like I said, which is a good thing, and I don't think it's a tenfold half thing because uh, we've talked about this several times about prepping. We've had guys on to <clears throat> to talk about it on the show, and we're going to have them on again. We have the guys from In the Rabbit Hole. We've had Jack Spierko. Uh, I'm going to try and get uh, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy uh, to come on the show. And uh, we have uh, Sheriff Richard Mack who will be on uh, within the next couple of weeks. And uh, and we're going to talk to a bunch of folks, uh, in, you know, in the course of the coming year about prepping. Because you should be. Because, like I said, it's not a tenfold hat thing. Just a generation ago, or it might have been a little bit more for some folks, but just a generation ago, uh, 
our grandparents would have uh, they would have been called preppers because of the way that they lived their normal lives, uh, by the fact that they they kept a, uh, a food reserve, that they kept uh, extra coal oil and extra lamps, and and on and on, uh, uh, so that so that they could get through hard times, and and I think it's a good idea for people to be doing that now. And uh, there's a good many of the folks that are doing that. You you look just about anywhere in any state. You can just Google uh, uh, preppers or prepping in any state. You know Texas preppers or uh, you know any state, and you'll get a, a huge group of folks in every state that are doing it. Which, like I said, I think it's an absolutely fantastic idea. I don't know how far you have to go. I mean, I know that a lot of folks are. Uh, you know, are going all the way out there to the edge where they, where they're, you know, building like combat units and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if that's necessary, but but who knows? Maybe it is. But some folks are doing it. But the majority of folks are just actually thinking more of, uh, do I have enough water? Do I have enough food? Uh, do I have the medicine that I'm going to need and stuff like that? And they're and they're really thinking about it as they should be. And uh, and I've told you guys many times before that I believe uh, that this is a good thing, that we should be depending on ourselves to take care of ourselves. I think that anybody, and then, and then we still have a good many other people in this nation that they don't. They just think that if something happens, the government is going to take care of me. And when the government, when it finally uncoils itself from its its huge sleeping anaconda mode and and makes it to wherever the the stuff's going on that people are absolutely furious because they wanted something done right away, right then and there, take care of themselves, to, for the government to take care of them. All right, but that's the that's the dangerous double-edged sword that they're living under because once you once you get to the point where that's what you consider the government to be taking care of you, that uh, that you're just a ward of the government. Then, then that's what you will be. So I think it's a good idea that folks are uh, are taking a good amount of time to. There are there's a good number of folks across the nation that are uh, they're taking this seriously. And uh, and I got to tell you, there's a there is a a current craze. In the nation uh, right now, about zombies, you know we've got the movies and the and the television shows and stuff like that, and people are really going nuts about it, and uh, and I think that that's very I think it's very symptomatic of of the way that our generation is looking at or or that it is manifesting its dread. You know, in the years before, if you go back and you look at the movies and stuff like that from the 50s and 60s, you kind of see some of the same thing. But normally it is, it is the monsters, situations created by, right, or by, either, by, uh, either by atomic war or a, uh, atomics out of control that create the, the huge ants and, the, uh, and all of the mutant monsters and stuff like that. 
And each generation, you know, figures out a way to manifest its fears and its dreads. And apparently the the best way for the current generation is in zombies. And we're seeing this uh we're seeing this all over. You see the the even the C D C you go to the C D C site, uh, if you Google C D C and zombie <laughs> And they've got a whole uh, list of things that they have put on the uh, Center for Disease Control, uh, a whole group of ads that they're running that are zombie-oriented, you know, telling you to make a plan, to get your gear together, make a plan for, uh, you know, for for zombies. We've got uh, reading a a news report right here, and I got it on the – Military.com, that's where uh, one of the places that I get some of the information. It's uh, October 29, 2012, Associated Press. It says, Troops, Police, Prep for Mock Zombie Invasion. And this is out of San Diego. Uh, it says, uh, Move Over Vampires, Goblins, and Haunted Houses. Uh, this, Halloween, this Halloween terror aims to shake up even the toughest warrior. Number a, an untold number of zombies are coming to a counterterrorism summit, attended by hundreds of Marines, Navy special ops, uh, Army special forces firefighters, and others to prepare them for their worst nightmare. So it's a huge exercise. Uh, so this is a very real exercise. This is not some type of big costume party. It says that uh, this is going to be hosted on a 44-acre. Uh, island on San Diego Bay, and it says everything that will be simulated as this event has already happened. It just ha- hasn't happened all at once on the same night. But the training is very real. It just happens to be the bad guys that we're having a little fun with. It says uh, hundreds of military, law enforcement, and medical personnel will observe the Hollywood-style production, production of a zombie attack as part of their emergency response training. So so even the military now has gotten into it, and uh, they are working with Homeland Security, uh, preparing the military and the citizens for a zombie attack. Uh, you can find this at military.com, all right? Google military.com and mock zombie invasion. <clears throat> It'll take you right to the... Uh, Right to the to the ad here, and on that note, they're not the only ones doing this. Okay, there are some other folks doing this, and I'm going to put the uh, I'll put the the address into the the chat board there, so you can take a look at it. They're not the only ones doing this. Uh, Battle Road USA is hosting its own. Uh, it's the end of the world as we know it. Zombie destruction run. <clears throat> this is going to be February 23rd. That's uh, on a Saturday, February 23rd. And uh, we will have everyone uh, gathering here at the Battle Road USA range in Davila. And uh, we're going to cap it at about uh, uh, at about 100 runners. And what they'll be doing is they'll be following a looping about three, three-and-a-half-mile course. 
And uh, along that course, there'll be either six or seven shooting stations with a rifle and pistol. And I believe there may be some uh, some uh, hatchet stations thrown in or some uh, zombie uh, machete stations. And there'll be seven obstacles people will have to, to navigate uh, along with this. And the obstacles are mainly like you get your get your heart rate up, get your cardio up before you before you hit a shooting station so that you're not uh, walking into the station all nice and, and relaxed. It will likely be pumped up a bit before you get in. And this is going to be February 23rd, 2013. Uh, I think that uh, Mr. Martinez, my partner, is uh, – I think he's getting the Eventbrite registration ready for it. So uh, I think that he and Scuzzy are working together on that and – uh, probably the next day or so, you should start saying the uh, registration open up for that. And this is going to be a chance for uh, for everybody to get together and have a good time. When Mark and I ran the the uh, this type of event out in Pecos, you heard us talk about that. We had Smoky Briggs that came on a couple of weeks ago to talk about it, too. We ran this type of event uh, the last two years. Now, Mark has ran it, I believe he's ran it for either six or seven years, uh, Part of last year, and uh, and it's a chance for for folks to get together, to socialize. People who like to uh, who like to do stuff like this, who like to shoot, and it'll uh, help you uh, it'll help you to to get a gauge on your abilities. You know, it's only three and a half miles, but can you do three and a half miles under under pressure and make hits that count with your pistol and your rifle? Uh, some will be close in pistol work, and then some of the rifle work will go out to maybe 400, maybe even 500 meters. So can you do that? You know, can you make that? Can you make that work? And it's going to be a chance for you for folks to find out and to to socialize and and have a good time uh, doing it. So uh, I want to make sure that you guys put that on your calendar, February 23rd, 2013, and. Uh, Hopefully it's going to turn into a uh, an annual event, and hopefully this uh, this coming year when we when we when we do hold the event, we're hoping to get uh, we're hoping to get a lot of other things in there. We'd like folks to uh, uh, to make it uh, more of a gathering. Bring stuff that you can trade. Uh, bring stuff that you can show off and show to other people. And uh, uh, and we'll probably I'm sure we'll have stuff to buy there. I'm sure we'll probably have some sponsors and vendors and stuff like that. And uh, it's not just going to be a little thing. It's going to be a, a, a fairly big thing. And we're kind of uh, we're kind of uh, it's our first big event that we're holding like this. So we're we're also got our fingers crossed too because we want it to make we want to make sure that this turns out as a uh, as a really worthwhile event for everybody who participates. So and I think I see uh, I see Alonso one on the. On the board, so I guess he's looking. If not, I'm going to make sure I'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow to him and and to uh, to Kirby, to Scuzzy. I see Scuzzy in there, so no, he's listening. To make sure we get the Eventbrite page uh, up and running, so that people can start pre-registering for the event. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to need some of the folks. Uh, if you were, if you were uh, part of the Pecos team of uh, the ROs, then we're going to need uh, some ROs to volunteer to help. And what the ROs will do is they'll run the the day before 
the actual event. They'll come on Friday, and they'll run through the event on Friday, uh, and then uh, and then they will stay, and they will be range officers for the folks who are going to run through the event on Saturday. So we're going to need some volunteers, some help with that, and uh, don't hold me to this, but I'm pretty sure that the way that the way that we'll work it is that uh, if you volunteer to to work one of the ranges or to stand on the highway uh, where they have to cross the highway and uh, and uh, help make sure that people cross the highway safely, then we're not going to then we'll let you run the event for free. All right, I'm pretty sure that's the way that we're going to run it. So. If any of you guys want to uh, to throw your hat in the ring for that, uh, we don't have an, an infinite number of RO positions available. But if you want to throw your ring in the hat, your hat in the ring, uh, then either send Alonso Juan or myself a message, uh, and you can uh, get me at uh, RWVA Range Scout, all one word, lowercase, at gmail.com. RWVA Range Scout at gmail.com and uh and we'll start putting together the ROs for the event. Maybe you guys can come out and uh and uh, you know a couple of weekends before and help us do some of the uh the finishing up and you'll get to shoot and uh and you'll get to be the 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 special uh the special RO uh, guy that sure will have some special thing for you. Uh, to wear something for the event, you'll, be, you'll get to be the special guys that are the you know the end guys and the click uh, at the event. <clears throat> so that will be February 23rd, 2013. The ROs will have to be there on the 22nd, and then uh, any of the ROs that want to volunteer to uh, to help uh, you know help uh, finish setting up the course and maybe do some. Uh, some beta runs because we've got a beta run scheduled for early in February that we'll need some folks to uh, to come through and run the course and make sure that we've got all the, the glitches out of it and stuff like that. <clears throat> and this will give you a chance to uh, to see how to test your metal in the world of zombie destruction. We're gonna have some good targets. I'm sure we're gonna have. Uh, Plenty of good stuff for everybody. We're going to have uh, about $900 worth of T-shirts and stuff like that. And uh, and plenty of other stuff that we can uh, try and get our sponsors and stuff to donate. So be sure and put that on your calendars. Be sure and uh, and drop a line to Alonzo Juan or myself. I want to thank uh, everybody that called in tonight. Uh, Ed, Melissa, uh, Warren, all of you guys. I'd like, you to, I'd like to thank you guys. For for taking the time to call in to make sure that uh, that you got your message out to folks, and then I appreciate you putting out your points of view. And I want to thank everybody else that was listening, and I want to thank all the people that listen to the archives because uh, the uh, the people that listen on a regular night uh, are usually dwarfed by the folks that listen to the archives. The archives usually will get uh, oh three to five thousand. Uh, people a week will uh, run, will listen in the archives and stuff like that. So I want to thank all those folks that are listening in the archives or downloading it, stuff like that. And, uh, and uh, check uh, the show notes, and we will uh, see you this next Thursday, 7 p.m., all right? Thank you, everybody, right. and uh, God bless you all. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you.
told me that I was free, yeah. And as a child, I grew up programmed by TV.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.